Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Murph and Fred back together again on ESPN 1000. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Busy, busy day. Fred, we always say, never jinx the show by saying, we're going to have a no, great show, right? We don't know. We don't know until it's over and then until <laughs> someone tells us it was a good show. <laughs> never sure about it. And then it's 12 noon and we leave and uh, we go, well, uh, hopefully it was a good yeah, show. Yeah, we haven't heard anything, so <laughs> apparently it was okay. How you doing, everybody? I'm Mike Murphy's Fred Eubner. Indeed, busy, busy day. Ah, oh, how about this? Five minutes away from Steve Silverman. Steve Silverman. I, I know that name. I know that name. Fred, tell everyone who Steve Silverman is. Oh, worked with him. He is an NFL expert. Worked yep. for Pro Football Weekly for many, many years. Uh-huh. Did a lot of pregame shows with him. And sure. uh, he knows his football inside and out. So lots of uh, football yeah. with the wild card games just starting up today. So he uh, will be fun talking with him. Longtime Chicago guy, uh, originally and back out east New York. So we'll get a national view mm-hmm. of what the heck's going on with the Bears. And if we have time, uh, get the national view a little more uh, in-depth on what's going on there with the Patriots. Maybe a little bit of a John Gruden uh, uh, talk with his uh, $100 million contract. Now we know why he's leaving the broadcast booth. <laughs> he can't make that kind of money in the broadcast booth. If he orchestrated this in his mind oh, uh, five, seven years ago, uh-huh. pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just I'll just have fun doing TV for about five, six, seven years and then really, boom! Then get, get back into it. Get the big hit. Yeah. That's a few minutes away. Mark Potash at 10 o'clock. Sometimes feature columnist, Bears beat guy, sprays to all fields. We'll get his, uh, and he's got a lot of thoughts on your beloved Bears, Mark Potash, and a big baseball fan, and uh, talk a little Cubs and Sox. Nick Friedel, Nicky Free, haven't had Nick for a few weeks. He says, yeah, I got time, I'll be at the airport as he's jumping all around. Covering uh, the whole NBA, the in, the NBA. Mid- in the Midwest. <laughs> so we'll have uh, Nick Friedel in the 11 o'clock hour, but we'll pepper in a lot between now and then. Got a little uh, segment, if we can get to, called a schedule alert. <clears throat> What's schedule alert? Stick around. Maybe a trip into Murph's library. Got the yellow pad. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few minutes for, well, our teammate, he was half right. All right? Okay. All right, we'll talk about Caparoo a little bit later. He was half right. That's good. Okay. It's better than being half wrong. I guess it is. Wouldn't you say? Uh, before we get to Steve Silverman. EO11 with us today, Eric Ostrowski. Hey, Eric, am I potted up here? What up, Murph? All right. Tried to give you a little free plug right there, buddy. No, my screen's not working today. So uh, you'll be the uh, true sound man and producer today, okay? Hold on, give it a go right now. <laughs> EO11. There we go. Sorry, I was getting Steve on the line. That's fine. It's fine. That's what happens. That's what happens. Saturday morning's one producer. <laughs> uh, here's our uh, Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll for today. If you want to vote right now at ESPN 1000. Uh, oh, this is easy. This is simple. Vote right now. The Bears uh, are going to A, get it right, B, screw it up. What could be simpler than that, right? Vote right now at ESPN 1000. The Bears are going to get it right. The Bears are going to screw it up. You want to take a guess at what the vote's going to be? Well, most Bears fans will say they'll screw it up. That's just the way Bears fans are, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, what are you going to do? 
Exactly right. We got Steve Silverman with us. Beautiful. Let's go out east. Let's go to one of the top. One of the top NFL guys. Longtime Chicago guy, friend of Murph and Fred. Said, yeah, I got a few minutes. Try to find out from the national point of view what's going on with the beloved Bears. It's Murph here, and it's Fred Huber alongside. Good morning, Steve. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well, Steve. We're doing great. We send the cold weather your way. That's what we do in Chicago. Yeah, yeah my way is in Northbrook. So there you go. I don't, you know, it's oh. the east side of Northbrook. Okay. But, uh, I can never keep tracks on where you're at, but I just know one thing. You know the NFL inside and out. Well, then you've got as good a handle as anybody. What is the national perspective, in your opinion, over the years and currently, Steve, what's the national view in, in football, football insiders, you know, coaches, ownership, general managers of the Chicago Bears? Do they look at it like the Bears fans here look at it? And uh, maybe as you were holding, you heard our Twitter poll uh, open right now at ESPN 1000. Uh, the Bears are going to A, get it right, B, screw it up. And you know where that comes from. It comes from years of being a Bears fan and living in Chicago. But what what is the what is the NFL? Uh, what's their opinion of of our beloved Bears, Steve? Well, well, you are what your record says you are. So it has been a long time since the Bears were a winning team, and you know those inside the game realize. Uh, why this is. It's not just a matter of bad luck or a few breaks going your way. The Bears have been a poorly run organization uh, really since they fired Lovey Smith and, and there were issues going back even during his regime and the, the team has really struggled so badly with its uh, personnel decisions, its coaching decisions, it, and it all starts at the top. Now, you know, the, the fact that they are a legacy franchise, you know, the original franchise of the National Football League, you know, that holds some weight because if you can win with this team, uh, winning with the Chicago Bears is an awesome thing, but it's just been such a long time. And, and, and really, uh, it, you know, it's nothing new. Uh, the, the, the Bears really haven't been the kind of dominant team since the 1940s. A championship in 1963, another in 1985, but so many uh, decades of, of just the mismanagement and poor team and disappointment. So um, the potential uh, is there to, to turn this thing around and become a great team and become, you know, really a glamour franchise, but they're so far away from it that, uh, you know, that's just pie in the sky at this point. Steve, there were six openings in college or in the NFL, and then uh, John Gruden decided to take his 10-year $100 million. I don't know. I thought he was going to be underpaid. But uh, of the five remaining, the Giants, Detroit, the Bears, Arizona, and Indianapolis, a lot of Bears fans think, and like you had mentioned, you know, charter franchise, the Chicago Bears, how, how, how much and how desirable is the Chicago Bears head coaching position compared to some of the other ones that are available? Well, I, I think the the Giants and Detroit are probably 
ranked a little higher right now. The Giants, because you know, for for all the uh, problems they've had this year, uh, you know, they won two recent Super Bowls. Management there does tend to stay out of the way, or ownership there does tend to stay out of the way of management and the coaches. And it, it, it's a better situation for a head coach to work. Detroit, you you have a great quarterback in place and a really good set of wide receivers. I think uh, you know they they need some improvement on their defense. They need a running game. They have no running game in Detroit, but they're much closer. But I think the Bears, let's say, you know, I, I can I can say without any hesitation, the situation is much better than Arizona, where the coach has retired due to health concerns, and your quarterback has retired, and um, it, it, it's just a you know the Cardinal organization over the years uh, has not been a great place to work. Um, you know, maybe they can rebuild in a hurry, but I think uh, the Bears are somewhere third or fourth in that group. Visiting with Steve Silverman, you know Steve, and if you don't check him out at Bleacher Report, CBS uh, uh, New York and uh, Stats.com and many, many more places. Uh, do you have your 38th book coming out pretty soon, uh, Steve, or is that down the road still? <laughs> Uh, we, we're still in the planning stages okay. on that one, but that's good. Hopefully soon. <laughs> I'd be upset if you weren't in the planning stages for your next terrific book. Uh, so the Bears are doing is uh, we all know the revolving door. Round up the usual suspects, as an old movie once said, for the interviews and who the future head coach will be and uh, the fans of course got to be offensive coordinator you know for Trubisky well it doesn't have to be you know because you could have a good OC or hey a special teams guy though doesn't look like Dave Tobes getting much play uh, do you hold much uh, in the uh, argument that it should be an offensive coordinator as the head coach as your future is really uh, built around the uh, progress of uh, Trubisky well, I, I certainly understand the argument, but the answer uh, to your question, as far as I'm concerned, is no. I want the absolute very best leader, a guy who can, uh, who, who really understands the game and all aspects of it, from you know what goes on uh, in the uh, off-season activities, what what makes a really good training camp, how to get a team ready. As far as I'm concerned, most teams are never ready to play anymore at the start of the season due to the uh, the change in the rules. The only team that, uh, that to me, pretty consistently is ready to play uh, and has a great training camp is Seattle. I think Pete, maybe not so this year, but over the years, he's done a great job of having a team that really comes firing out of the gate. Um, and it's a hard thing to do now, but I think that's important. I want a great leader. Now, uh, certainly the future is tied to Mitch Trubisky. I think that's a huge, huge gamble. Um, I, I would have, uh, if I had been in place, I would have, uh, I would not have taken him. I would have taken Deshaun Watson. He's the guy who I think is going to turn out to be the best of, of last year's uh, draft class, and I would never have made the trade up to get him. Um, I, I don't know that uh, poker playing is is the best thing uh, that that you know that the bears management does at this point so um i i would i want the best 
coach, the best leader of men. I understand the need for a great offensive uh, coordinator or quarterback teacher to get in there with Trubisky and really get a hold of him. And uh, but but I would really like to see a great leader get the job. You know, Steve, if the draft is all a guess and a crapshoot, isn't getting a new coach too? Because you really don't know. You can talk to them; they can sell themselves all they want. But once they get into the door and start coaching and start running the building and start showing what kind of leadership they have, that's when you know if you made the right choice or not. Hmm. Well, I mean, then really, what do you know about anything? You know, just about right. everything's a You're guess. Right. We uh-huh. can't know. So the best, the, the best and most decisive decisions are made out of reason, out of uh, knowing the history and putting all those factors together, and then you have the best chance of being right. I don't think the Bears have done that over the years. Um, and I think that's why they're, you know, it's not bad luck. Uh, it's not a bunch of unlucky choices that they've made. They've made bad choices because they haven't read the situation properly. Who is they? Uh, excuse me, excuse me. They haven't read properly. I agree. Who is they? They is ownership. They are the top, the guys on on the top of the situation. Um, the guys who do the hiring, uh, and whether it's pace, whether it's ownership, um, n- nobody has made the right call. Uh, they're they're all too uh, caught up in the legacy aspect of the franchise. Uh, the best people want to come here, and they're wrong, and they don't make good decisions. You know, Steve, uh, there are a couple of guys that are out there that the Bears have talked to already, and they've talked to five guy or four guys already: Vic Fangio, George Edwards, Pat Shermer, and Josh McDaniels. They have meetings with John D. Filippo and Matt Nagy, Nagy, the Kansas City uh, offensive coordinator, on Sunday, um, but. They have two guys, Shermer and McDaniels, who both had opportunities to be head coaches, and one in Cleveland, and we we know what happened with McDaniels in Denver. Do do you take a look at that and say, listen, these guys had a chance; they're going to learn from their mistakes, so maybe they are uh, better guys to go after, or give these guys first opportunities, like Nagy, D. Filippo, or Edwards, or even Fangio, which I I think is probably the last of the ones that would get the job. Right. I think uh, Vic Vangio got basically a courtesy interview. Uh-huh. I don't think they're going to give him the job. But, uh, Fred, I, I really like the guys who've had chances before, and I think that they, they do better the second time around, uh, uh, with the best example being Bill Belichick, who didn't really do all that badly his right. first time with Cleveland. He made the playoffs, and he beat the Patriots in a playoff game. Um yeah, and certainly became a much better coach the second time around. I think that, yeah, I think that's important. Tom Coughlin uh, had a good run in Jacksonville, got fired, and then he became a Super Bowl winning coach with the Giants. Josh McDaniels, I think his problems in Denver, uh, if, if he truly has matured, he can easily fix those. He came on way too strong, right. like he had to be the man, and that's something uh, you know that that was. Clear clearly pointed out to him and he understood so you know can he change that i i like him i think he's got a great chance and i think you know the the distractions going on in new england that came to light uh you know bright light yesterday that had been kind of going on under behind the scenes at least the last couple of months there were a lot of inklings coming out i think uh you know he's going to get that head job somewhere and and i think he might be the lead candidate for the bears
Bears. Steve Silverman, if you have a couple more minutes, Steve, both uh, my yellow pad and Fred's notebook, they are bursting, so we'll keep you another minute or two. Love visiting with our old buddy Steve Silverman, Bleacher Report, uh, CBSNewYorkStance.com, you name it, national NFL guy. Bigger picture, this is sort of, uh, I don't want to say awkward, nothing's awkward in sports talk radio, but ever since Ditka, and this is not going to be a Ditka thing, don't get me wrong, everybody, but ever since Ditka, the McCaskey family has either by accident or intentionally chosen soft-spoken, I use the old word, milk toast, uh, I don't want to say spineless, that's not fair, but uh, subservient head coaches, Wani, Jerron, Lovey, Trestman, Fox, guys that aren't going to ruffle the feathers. I think that's by design after what, uh, you know, brother Michael went through, and I'm not taking sides with, with Ditka, you know, when all of a sudden the head coach is the face of the team and he's the most powerful guy, yada, yada. I wonder if that's still ingrained in the family, Fred and Steve, where they go, you know what, we're not taking the, we don't want a big name dominant guy. Not that the John uh, Gruden's the right guy and the money was more than they would have paid. I understand. Not that, uh, and David Kaplan, our guy, had a great piece at Sports Talk Radio yesterday. What if Bill Belichick wants to leave? Can we get him? Do you think the, the McCaskey family would ever, ever bring in a head coach that's the big name. Dom, I even look at Vic Fangio. And Vic's a guy that pulls no punches. He'll say what he wants. And that's what I'm sort of leading up to. A guy like Vic Fangio, maybe he'd be great, maybe not. My question is not even that. It's I don't think they would ever sign a guy that is going to grab a microphone at a press conference and say, we're messed up from the top to the bottom or whatever. Do you think there's any, uh, uh, am I on solid ice or, or, or thin ice with, with that type of statement? Uh, let's go first to Steve. You know, I think there's been so much losing over the years that uh, there there should be some kind of feeling within the the higher ups that whatever we've been doing is the wrong thing. We don't have to stick to any one type. Um, you know, you know, Lovey Smith. Uh, was not a loud guy, but he certainly was a commanding guy in the locker room. Yes. They respected yes. him, um, and I, I don't think he really took any guff from uh, management or ownership. I, I think, you know, just having a, a, a loud guy who's always going to be in the headlines and leading off the 10 p.m. news. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's that's a factor one way or the other. I, I don't think they're afraid to – I don't think they should be afraid to get a strong leader. Um, you know, maybe it would take away some of the the luster that, that comes with a franchise, but that luster has been worn down. So whatever they're thinking, they should change their thinking. Hey, you know, it's really a, really a tough a fine line there between being a, a player's coach – and making sure you get everything across to these guys, especially with the athletes nowadays, Steve. Oh, you're you're right. I mean, uh, you know, the the old ways they just don't work anymore in terms of my way or the highway. Right. And, you know, not explaining things to players. You can be tough on them, but you got to give reasons for everything, or else they're going to rebel. No, so like when I was growing up, when my dad asked me to do something, and I said why, and he said because I said so. That doesn't work as a coach in the <laughs> NFL anymore. <laughs> I, and it doesn't work as being a father anymore either, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Nicely done. 
Steve, uh, let's let's bring the uh, zoom our camera lens uh, and take the the bigger view real quick. Then we'll uh, let you enjoy the rest of your uh, Saturday. Thanks a million as always. So uh, what's going on in New England? Uh, give us a one-minute look at New England and a one-minute look at uh, John Gruden, if you wish, please. I think that, you know, this thing with the Patriots, it, 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 you know, it's certainly legitimate. It's not made-up stuff. And, and the fact that uh, the triumvirate in New England came out with a statement uh, about the ESPN story saying that there's trouble in paradise was false – is you know that that part is false. Their denials false. I think there's things going on. I think Brady has sensed that you know with Belichick, uh, he's always looking to the future. He knows that you know a quarterback who's who's past the age of forty could be vulnerable like any other star within the organization. And he probably did win a battle against Belichick. Belichick is not happy about it, and the owner did take Brady's side. Now. You know they're so they're all so smart and successful. I think they can probably overcome, but uh, I, I think there is trouble in paradise. Uh, uh, and I also think the Patriots are really vulnerable this year in the playoffs. Uh, I would be surprised if they win. I just don't think they're that good this year. And as far as Gruden coming back, um, you know you could tell the guy's been itching to to be back on the sidelines for at least the last two years uh, from listening to his broadcast on Monday Night Football. So I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, you know, the Raiders want to create a big splash for their last couple of years in Oakland, but especially for when they go to Vegas. Gruden helps you create a big splash. Uh, I think he's a good offensive guy, and um, he'll put in the work, and he'll probably get a good staff. It's probably a good move. Is it a great move? I don't know, but it is a good move. A quick sidebar, uh, Bill Belichick. Do you think he would ever coach for another team? Uh, you know, and all of a sudden he's got three bad years in a row at the end of his illustrious career. He looks like the kind of guy that says, you know what, why would I want to risk that? Would he ever be the president of football operations type guy? In other words, move up the ladder after the coaching days. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably take a year, maybe two years off, and then I could see him uh, being the president of an organization, mm-hmm. p- probably the New York Giants. That's the team <laughs> he's most closely associated with. But you never know. Um, he, uh, he, he, you know, he doesn't want to have any roadblock placed in front of him. If he sees that his team is is hamstring, hamstringing him, yeah. he'll move on. Hmm. Okay. The Bears do not have, let the record show, a president of football operations. You get Josh over here. uh, You know, hey, put the the band back together again. But I I guess I listened to Cap too much yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, just a little (laughs) bit, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's coming here. As president of football ops, that's you know certainly he's not coming here to coach. But it was fun yesterday. Well, plus if they were going to do something like that, they would have done that right after the season. It mm. wouldn't be something that they would wait on. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hey, Steve. In deference to our dear departed dear friend Doug Buffone, Steve Silverman, always, <laughs> always Moifey, he would call me. I don't know what he called you, Fred, behind the scenes. Well, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. My little buddy. Even though I wasn't that little. <laughs> My little buddy. Steve, thanks for great to hear from you. Great to visit with you anytime. If you have something, uh, jump in. Uh, we'll, we'll pester you at least twice a year, okay? <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. See you, Steve. Steve thanks Silverman. Thanks, buddy. From a Bleacher Report. Check him out.
All right, let's bring in EO11. Let's see what the results were from our uh, first of 630-minute Twitter poll questions uh, today. The Bears are going to, A, get it right, B, screw it up. Well, Fred, I think you uh, foreshadowed this about a half hour ago. What, what do you think the uh, fans yeah, think, are going to say? Uh, Bears fans are going to say screw it up because they have no no love lost. Mm-hmm. They have no love for the uh, Phillips, McCaskey, and even starting to be the Ryan Pace uh, era of the mm-hmm. Bears. Uh, Ted Phillips? Yeah. Ted Phillips is still on the Bears page. <laughs> Let's bring in EO11. Eric, what the fans say? It's actually closer than I would think. Uh-huh. The Bears are going to 41% say get it right, 59% say screw it up. All right. That surprised me a little bit, yeah. More faith than me, I'll tell you that. They have more faith than I do. It's not just luck, as uh, Steve was saying. It's uh, it's all uh, bad designing in the past. Well, see, it surprised me that the Bears uh, that the Bears fans were more of them. I actually think they're going to get it right. Mm-hmm. But then again, you're going to have to wait two or three years to figure out if they got it right or not. It's not going to be something that's going to come here. A new head coach, everything's going to work right off the bat. Well, uh, thanks, Eric. Adam John, sometimes Bears guy, has sort of had an interesting side note on this, uh, Fred, earlier this week. He goes back three years and points out uh, uh, Ryan Pace essentially was he alone, all alone in his first search uh, for head coach, even though we know that he was given the list and going, here's the guy, here's the guy. Okay, well, I'll take him. But regardless, Pace essentially was alone in his first search. Josh Lucas, you don't hear much about him, the Bears director of player personnel, was hired two days after Fox was hired. In May back in 2015, Joe Douglas, he was named director of college scouting. And uh, Champ uh, Kelly was named director of pro scouting. Point is, Pace's support staff, when he first came over, was simply a Corsi, McCaskey, and Phillips. Now at least Pace has a lot of people to turn to. Lucas, Kelly, Douglas, all his other people. So, well, and he made sure he mentioned that at the press conference too. That he mm-hmm. trusts the he's got he trusts his guys, and uh, they're going to look for you know players in, you know deep down, and he's going to work closely with his uh, associates. Hey, when we return, talk a little bit about the exciting Bulls game last night. Got some uh, hot stove baseball to pepper in uh, between now and noon. Don't forget uh, Mark Potash, Bears guy and a spread all field sports expert from the Sun Times, going to give us a call around ten o'clock. Nick Friedel around 11 and uh, when we return hmm let's see how about this the most surprising thing this week we'll get to that and maybe uh schedule alert what google up schedule alert while uh, we're taking a quick break back in a flash and vote right now on our next uh twitter poll which is ah should Ryan Pace have the final call on the head coach decision? Yes or no? Vote now at ESPN 1000. And Ted Phillips is still on the Bears payroll. Hey, welcome back. Murph and Fred till noon. Get right back to the phones. 3323776. But... The Bulls last night, you know, to me it was an exciting game. I know a lot. Ah, oh, it's not exciting. They're, you know, next to last place. They're terrible. They're now 14 and 25. 
They play, oh, there's, there, there's, they play there's a two, bad team. There's two teams below them now. Yes. Yeah, just two teams below them. So. And they they played a team with a uh, an, an, another lousy uh, a worse uh, record than them. Yes. Now, yeah, yeah they're uh, Dallas now thirteen and twenty seven, worse than the Bulls fourteen and twenty five. Fred, the, the game, real quick, then we'll get right back to the uh, the, the Bears and the phones. So uh, if you're on hold, stick around, 332-3776. So the start, beginning of the fourth quarter last night at Dallas, uh, the Bulls trail by eight, 88 to 80. And near the, uh, about the two-thirds through the fourth quarter, the Bulls are up by 10, an 18-point swing in about uh, seven, eight minutes. Then they barely hang on to eke out a win when a uh, three ball that could have tied the game with the buzzer was a little bit short. But it turned into one of those uh, free throw, foul and free throw, foul and free throw back and forth. Player of the game, no uh, doubt about it, with the career high uniform number 32, uh, 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 Dunn, Chris Dunn, 32 points, nine assists. Uh, Markinen, uh, uh, nine rebounds, 16 points. Holiday scoring all over the place, 23 points. Fun game to watch. Uh, a lot of things to work on for the Bulls, though, last night. Yeah, yeah. Holiday with five threes. That was nice to see. He's got that corner yeah. that corner three all set if he can get open. The weirdest part about the whole game, besides the um, you know the nice part that Dunn had, the 32 points, mm-hmm. Holiday with 23, was that in the last minute eight of the game, Yes. There were 35 points scored in the last minute and eight seconds. The Bulls made all 13 of their free throws. Mm -hmm. Dallas had a chance. They kept coming down and scoring more baskets one after another. The Bulls had turnover problems down the stretch. They couldn't get the ball in bounds. They, they couldn't, couldn't bring the ball the press, up court. Right? Uh, it, was, it was awful. And the game, you know, you figure, you look at it, 108 to go. Okay, this one's in the books. Took about 15 minutes. Oh, easily. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, more. Yeah, it, it was not It was not enjoyable to watch. And then there was a shot up there by uh, Farrell that could have actually tied the game yeah. up at, at yeah. the buzzer. So Both score 47 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Maybe, you know, on the pace for about, what, 187 points or, or whatever that would be. Well, there were 83 points combined in I the know. quarter. It's ridiculous. <laughs> How about this? In the last, in this fouling free throws, fouling free throws, foul free throws, here's what it caused. In the last, like you were saying, Fred, I got it like a minute uh, 10 or whatever, the Bulls did not take a shot from the field. No, they kept Every getting fouled. Every time they had the ball, yeah. Dallas had to foul them. You know, that's the only chance they had. The Bulls made 11 of 11 free throws. They I got 13 for 13 in the last 108. Okay, well, yeah. I got to go backwards one more then. Okay, I, yeah. I got my little uh, yellow pad chicken notes. I don't have the actual play-by-play like you do. So uh, 11 out of 11, 13 out of 13. If they'd have missed just one or two of those... Yep. It had been a whole different ball game. I don't understand why the NBA thinks that this is enjoyable. I know it's the rule, and a team is trying to do their best to to catch up, and it's the only way you can do it. Follow them, hope they miss. Follow them, hope they yeah. miss. But to have to make 13 out of 13 free throws uh, for 15 minutes in a minute and 10 seconds, it's ridiculous. It's not fun to watch. It's not the spirit of the game of basketball. There's a lot of ways you could change the, uh, make it a little a tweak to the rule. That is the only way you can come back to win, though. Oh, yeah. No, <clears throat> if you're trailing, there's no other oh, way no. for you to come back. Oh, no, they're doing what they had to do. Yeah. There's a couple things come to mind. If you foul in the last two minutes, uh, the other team gets 
an extra free throw. So, like, if you someone's shooting and you foul them, they get three, a two-point shot. Uh, if they make it and one, or you make it and two, you get an extra shot. Uh, or you could do what I brought up about a month ago, uh, one of my, hey, I got an idea, uh-huh. which would be, I know, you're not going to like this because it's different. It's radical. Uh, yet they did it back in the old early days of uh, uh, the NBA and basketball, I do believe. When you're lining up uh, for rebounding the free throw, instead of uh, the two team, uh, two defensive uh, players under, then the two uh, shooting team guys next, and then on the foul line, then the you know it's up for grabs. But the, your defense uh, hasn't. No, here's what you do on any free throw for the rest of time in the NBA. It's very simple: the two rebounders down under, one from each team. The next slot, one from each team. Yep. One from each team. That way. Wait, what are you saying, Murph? The, the the rebounding defensive team doesn't get two guys under? No. no. Why should you? There should be one guy from each uniform down underneath. Then next, two guys from each uniform next. Yada. And here's what happens. Every rebound would be a 50-50 proposition. But so crazy, they well, probably won't consider my idea. As it, w- usual. it would also help if uh, Nico Meritich didn't uh, get into the lane early because they took a free throw away. Uh-huh. Well, that's why it was that. an odd number. Excuse yeah. me. That's why it was an odd number. Yeah. 11 of 11, I thought 13, 13, because one was wiped out. Right. Let's go to the phone lines. three three two three seven seven six. Vote right now. Should Ryan Pace have the final call on head coach? Uh, hey, he's out and about today's Bear fan, Bob. Hey, Bob, jump in, buddy. Boys, good morning. And I'm on 294 as usual. Anyways, of course he should have the final say, but here's the problem, Burp. And you kind of know where I'm going with this. Anytime you got these two idiots, a.k.a. George McSuskie, let me repeat myself, George McSuskie and that other idiot, Sweaty Teddy, going out on interviews on, a, on an initial interview with the candidate, you're never going to get the right person. If I was a top prospect and a top candidate, and I saw this, the three of these people in an interview, I'm already thinking to myself, Ryan Pace can't do his job or is not allowed to do his job. Why do I want to be there? It's instable. Or, you know, there's instability there. What is the point of having a GM uh, there if he's not allowed to do his job? There's no way the Bears are going to be able to get this thing right, even though... You know, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't think they're going to get it right because Brian Pace will not be allowed to do his job correctly. Hey, Bob, Guys, let me, my, uh, yes, I, I was going to say, your, the key word there was in the initial interview. Right. right. I agree with you there. Uh, I'm the owner. Uh, on the second and third interview, we bring him in. This might be, our, of course, I don't think anybody would deny that. But uh, I agree 100%. Fred, I know you're on the air a bunch this week. Yeah. I didn't. I don't know if I will get your stance in a minute. But a uh, hey, bear fan, Bob, stay warm. Thank you very much. Have a great day, boys. Thanks, Thanks. Bob. Bye. All yeah. right. And uh, I've heard almost every expert out there, people I value, have uh, pretty much aligned and said the same thing. No, you can't have anyone on that initial interview, but Bud the Pace. GM. Is, is right. that how you fall? Yeah, sure. That's yeah. the way it should be. Uh, you you want to have Ted Phillips there? You want to have the owner there? Fine. When you're closer to hiring someone, there's mm-hmm. you, there's no reason to have those guys there for the initial interview. I know they want to do this quickly. It appears they are talking to John D. Filippo today, uh, Matt Nagy tomorrow. That'll bring the number up to six guys that they have interviewed, um, and then we'll see if they what happens after that. 
See, the, the, the thing that uh, is very disconcerting was in the uh, much-heralded uh, press conference, which I know seems like a month ago, earlier this week. And uh, it's been replayed, but I think one final time. You know, a lot of people work all day. They can't hear our great shows Monday through Friday. The soundbite of the uh, uh, question, I believe, uh, was it Rick Morrissey maybe, Fred, do you think? Yeah, I uh, think so. And we have the soundbite here. This is where Rick Morrissey circled back uh, with a, a second uh, time to ask the same question to uh, uh, Ryan Pace. And uh, I almost felt sorry for Ryan Pace. Oh, come on, Murphy. He's a big man. He's making a lot of money. I understand all that. Do you think when he took the job, he thought that he wouldn't be able to even have an interview with people on his own? I doubt it. But here's where it was very uncomfortable. Remember years ago, there was a thing, Fred, body language. Sure. There were books out about This was way back years ago. No, there still is. And there's a, a, lot of, there's it, a lot of work for body know, language. You someone sitting in, in a meeting with their arms crossed, uh, you know, they, they're upset maybe. or, or They if, can't just be comfortable. If your they legs are upset. this way or that yeah. way, it says if you're happy or not, or you're agreeing with the topic, or you're uncomfortable, you know. But there has to be a, 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 a parallel uh, called like voice language, uh -huh. if there's such a thing. And the voice, you know, like you'll ask someone a, a pointed question, maybe in the elevator or somewhere, and they'll go, what? Well, you know why they say what? Because they are trying to think of an answer, uh, or, or a, not a fib, but a good sounding, they don't have the they don't want to give the truth right out, so they stutter a little bit. They go, what was that? And, like, they want you to repeat it so they right. can conjure up their answer. Sure. And and the best answer to what is what? That's why I just go back to what, 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 what? So here's what happened to our guy, uh, Ryan Pace. Here's the question, and not body language, but voice language. Uh, let's eavesdrop here. Right. I just want to be clear here. Is the final decision um, on, on a head coach yours? Yes, the fine. So in, it's a collaborative effort. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Collaborative effort. Collaborative. Yeah. And we all put the yeast in to make the beer, and then we wondered why it foamed over. Exactly right. So you got a feel for the guy right there. They've coached him and coached him. They, being uh, uh, George and Ted, you know, here's what we're saying, here's what we're doing. And all of a sudden, now, instead of talking football and coaches and the. He's got to remember, okay, now what was I supposed to say? I guarantee you that's what happened. Because he doesn't stumble and mumble much throughout the press conference. Right. Except let's listen again. Right, I just want to be clear here. Is the final decision um, on, on a head coach yours? Yes, the fine. So in, it's a collaborative effort. Poor guy. He said yes originally. Yeah, and then he decided, well, yeah. wait, is that what they told me to say? I can't remember what to say. Yeah. Unbelievable. Murph and Fred had your last chance vote right now uh, for our uh, Twitter poll question. Should Ryan Pace have the final call on uh, selecting the new head coach, yes or no? He did say that the 53-man roster was his call, yes. which actually could uh, could rub some coaches the wrong way. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Vote now. Back in a flash. Uh, Mark Potash at 10. Nick Friedel at 11. We're busy. Time to step aside. Uh, back in a flash. Vote at ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. 
Fred Hubner, the White Sox fan from good old Martin East. Oh, yeah. Cicero. Picked up a couple of relievers uh-huh. this week. You guys, they can yeah. flip when the uh, season comes around, uh, the trade deadline, so that'll be nice. They, well, needed, they needed some relievers. They got a couple guys. Not a, not a bad move at all. No. Uh, Luis Avalon and uh, also uh, uh, Joaquim Soria. Mm-hmm. Both uh, Avalon pitched very well last year. Well, they traded away uh, their bullpen, uh, good trades, last August and and September. And uh, these two relievers are not bad. They're good seventh, eighth inning guys. They didn't have to give up a lot. A third baseman, second baseman type guy where they're sort of deep already with their first pick, Berger, at third. And, of course, Mankata, if he stays at second. So uh, then they'll be able to, you know, flip these guys, as you said, Fred. Most likely, right in uh, you know July, and maybe pick up some uh, some really uh, nice prospects. Uh, as we say, you know, if, if you asked uh, uh, the guys, uh, you know, what are they? What are these guys here for? Yeah, yeah, they'd say they're, you know, they'd call them flipper. Pretty much. They call him flipper, flipper, hey. faster than lightning. Uh, let, let the records. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Okay, we've had, we've been using that song for about five years, so we're not infringing on the uh, flip sound effect, which is terrific that they use uh, yep. nine o'clock. Though I guess there's been an embargo on that, but I'm not going to get in the middle of it. Okay, three three two three seven seven six. See what the fans are uh, talking about today. There's Paul is next in Lake Forest. Hello, Paul. Hey, Murph, how you doing? Good, thanks. What's up, Paul? You're the only, and, and George, you're the only show I listen to all week. I don't even listen to sports talk during the week. Well, I'll take that as a compliment, but I think uh, they're all great shows. Okay. So anyway, let me tell you how the Bears operate. Please just give me about a minute and a half and fill, sure. what Phillips' involvement is. Mm-hmm. Maybe a minute. Mm-hmm. The Bears are not owned and run by McCaskey nor mm-hmm. Pace nor any of these people. They're owned and run by 16 families that own that team. And Ted Phillips is the eyes and ears to make sure that not one extra cent gets spent. For instance, and they sit by their mailboxes every three months waiting on that check. They live off of it, okay? I have to interrupt you just for factual clarification, Paul. I've never heard this anywhere. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I think you're wrong. I'm not. Because uh, my sister has dated a McCaskey, but I didn't want to disclose that. So when when the bears when the bears go to request a Krupp's coffee pot for the for the uh, the training center, Phillips goes, "No, you can get away with a Mister Coffee." They save eighty bucks. They split that up sixteen ways. Come the, uh, every three months. Now, Paul, a lot of hold on. I'm not interrupting you. I just have to, for the record, a lot of big businesses do the same thing. Continue. So um, correct. Do you agree with me there? That, Do you that agree with me it. that at a big company like even the one we are uh, proud to work at here, uh, a new uh, coffee maker probably has to go through a couple check marks and you know someone sure. then finally authorizes it? Okay, go ahead. Sure. And it has to go through Phillips, mm-hmm. and Phillips is uh, beholden to the sixteen families. It's the only reason why he exists. Is that his? Now, f- hold on. Is that his fault? No. Okay, go no, ahead. I'm saying that's the fault, and that's why the Bears All will right. never get any better. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, so they have, where else do they cut back? Well, let me this ask is, you this, Paul. Do you think, and uh, I'm not disagreeing with you, do you think that the uh, conglomerate, if you want to call the Bears that, the business conglomerate, do you think they would ever hire a, a John Gruden head coach? Not saying it's wise by Oakland or not. That's not the point. Would they ever hire a $100 million coach? No, no because they've got a I understand. They got a 10-year wait for PSL. Let me ask you this. Would they ever hire, and a lot of teams don't, so I'm not criticizing them negatively. Do you think the Bears would ever hire a president of football operations at, uh, you know, $15 million a year? Uh, Bill Belichick, a veteran season guy who's moving along in his life, is, I want to be a president uh, of football. Yeah, we need one. Uh, what do you want, $15, $18, 20000000 million? Okay, would that ever happen? No. Okay, continue. I mean, here's how the Bears work. If you were an assistant ball boy three years ago, now all of a sudden that qualifies you to be an assistant wide receivers coach. Okay, thanks, Paul. Hey, good stuff. Thanks, buddy. Phone again. (laughs) A lot of fans feel that way, whether they know someone that dated someone or not, Fred. Uh, I mean, and who knows? All I know is this. When Andy uh, McPhail, F-A-I-L, was with the Cubs, uh quietly... Unknown to most, and I believe to be true, he got bonus checks at the end of the year based on profits. So, and this was verified by many people that I think know. Right. So, always as a Cub fit, F-A-I-L. You had to wonder, all right, so they're not sending that free agent for four and five million dollars. That means that's four million dollars more in their bottom line, and maybe he gets tempered at four hundred grand for. I'm just making up numbers. Now, did you read the story today, Fred, uh, about uh, Derek Jeter? Derek Jeter. Yep. There are reports, not confirmed. I want to say, but there's reports in Miami. Uh, Derek Jeter, now one of the uh, minority partners, general yeah. might be the general managing partner. He's the decision guy. Whatever his title is. That he has, uh, he will have bonus clauses aside from perhaps his regular salary, whatever. But he's going to have, uh, uh, it's reported a $2 million bonus per year, roughly averaged out year by year, different years, if they make a profit. If that's true and that comes out in Miami, like it uh, was here at Clark and Addison many, many years ago, those fans are going to erupt. Yeah, but you anybody, got stand so that you would get a bonus. Anybody in every company has I know. bonuses. In their, sure. You know, um, guys on radio, they get certain ratings, they're going to have a bonus. And mm-hmm. if, they, if they do well, then their superiors get a bonus. And uh, if those superiors do well and they get a bonus, then their superiors Correct. get a bonus. So but it happens in everything. They're exactly right. However... However, is that different from a sports team in the sense that the fans, what if the fans found out, and I'm just um, uh, I'm making this up, what if it turns out Ted Phillips gets a big bonus uh, for, uh, you know, the bottom line profits? Fans would go ballistic. You mean he gets paid the more they make or the less they spend? I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, but the less they spend, the less they're going to make. So... They, well, they need to spend money in order to get good players. If they don't spend the I'm money to get good players, players, they're not going to get the bonuses. See, but there's no salary cap on coaches and scouts. Yeah. That's the that's the one thing. Let's go to uh, Larry in Florida before we visit with Mark Potash. Hello, Larry. Hi, fellas. I, I'll tell you, I don't think there's enough people in Florida to start an eruption about baseball. <laughs> the people oh. down here just don't care. Yeah. But anyway, that's not what I called All about. Right. All right, I got you. Um, I have 
have been floating an idea around amongst other basketball fans, and I'm think it's bad. Let me let just see what you think. I think in all basketball, if you have a two-shot foul, the first free throw, if the shooter makes the free throw, the team should be allowed to take the ball out at the center line, oh, and the game should continue. I like that. Okay, so uh, let me capsulize. Hang on. That's, I like that, Fred. Eric, EO11. So last night's game, foul the Bulls, foul the Bulls. Thir- uh, there was 13 out of 13 from the foul right. line in the last minute and a half. The Bulls never got a shot off from the field in the last minute, 10, 15, 20, whatever, minute and a half. And what you're proposing, Larry, I like even more than my idea. Uh, by the way, I'm going to steal your idea, flat out steal it from you. I like it so much. You're That's saying, all right. all right, so the two shots that the Bulls were getting in bonus there, the rest of the, uh, the last minute and a half, you make the first one, you get rewarded. You inbound the ball again. That would, so there'd be no uh, much diminished benefit to keep falling. You'd still probably have to do it. Maybe, see, but would it help? They just keep falling you anyway. But, uh, Larry, well, I'm taking that flat from you, man. My, my, my idea is that if you miss the first free throw, then you would have to shoot the second one. But if you made the first free yeah. throw, that yeah. one, that See. would provide a real reason for teams to emphasize good free ah. Larry from Florida, your caller of the show. You yeah, get to come out to Chicago and warm up because yeah. I hear it's quite cold down there. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. <laughs> yeah, see, my biggest thing with the N- NBA, and there's many things I don't like about the NBA, um, but there's no reason to be able to call timeout and get the ball in midcourt. That's absolutely, true. absolutely no reason, none at all. So the Bulls last don't call night. timeout and get the ball at half court. I hope they're working on the inbound uh, pass against a, a press. Because that was embarrassing last night. Yep. Wow, the inbound press could not cut it. Let's take a break. Mark Potash, a couple uh, moments away, get back on his beat, which is the Bears beat, uh, as well as all of the Chicago sports. And uh, EO11, what were the final results? Should Ryan Ryan Pace have, I almost call him like Ryan Sam, but Ryan Pace had the final call on selecting the head coach, yes or no? 94% said yes. Okay, 94% are uh, wrong. <laughs> but I agree. Hey, a little walk in the Black Forest in the background. It's going to warm up this week. So they say, uh, back in a flash, Murph and Fred, we're at ESPN 1000. Four and three and two and one, one. They're saying 40 degrees, 44 degrees come uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll take that, Fred. Yep, that's oh. fine. Just put the put the earmuffs away. So, you know. Earmuffs it, are underrated. I love them. Well, I have them. They're the best. It's all you need. Well, uh, yeah. I forgot my right. hat today, so it was a little chilly in the head. If but it were, uh, otherwise it was would, fine. You, would you rather? Oh, 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 I'm sorry I stole that, but uh-huh. from home, we don't know. The, uh, would you rather have just your head or just the earmuffs? I'll take the earmuffs. Yeah, oh, I really? think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. And they're not even earmuffs. They're like wrap-around things oh, yeah. that go on your ears. I got, so. I got the $3 fuzzy uh, earmuffs. Yeah, not me. One minute away from Mark Potash. All right, let's go. Oh, and we're one hour away from Nick Friedel talking about that crazy Bulls game last night. He'll have some uh, ideas on uh, <laughs> how to get how to make those last couple minutes a little bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs>
have a burger and a beer. Uh, that, you, had, you had time to do that last uh, night. The odds are they've already shut down a concession by that point. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Three-fourths of the uh, Dallas arena was empty. Uh, here's our Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll for uh, 10 o'clock. History uh, will say that Ryan Pace's best decision... In retrospect, when it's all said and done, history will say Ryan Pace's best decision was A, drafting Trubisky, or B, selecting this head coach. That's right, which will be best as they look back at the fine career of uh, Ryan Pace, the draft of Trubisky, or the selecting of the head coach for 2018. <laughs> Vote right now at ESPN 1000, and let's go right now. Sometimes featured columnist, multi-beat reporter, following the Bears all year. Soon will be looking at the Blackhawks. He's a baseball guy. He's a lifelong Chicagoan friend of the show and a busy guy. So let's not delay. It's Murph and Fred. Good morning, uh, Marcus. Mark Potash. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Murph. Hey, Fred. How you guys doing? <laughs> doing well, Mark. We're doing, Great. We're doing fine. Had a time to uh, call out of the pizza sent over last night uh, and with one minute to go in the game, and it, yeah, the pizza got there uh, right at the buzzer. It was unbelievable. Did you get to catch? I know you're busy. Did you catch any of that Bulls game last night? Uh, actually, I did not, uh, Murph. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I, it was, I, I could tell by, by the result that uh, it was just another step towards the 17th pick in the draft. So I'm not <laughs> sure if that's a good result for the Bulls at this time. <laughs> Yeah, that is the topic. But let's let's go on to the beloved Bears. Mark, you've been uh, following the team for years, covering the beat, featured columns uh, at spring camp uh, with them all the time. Your fine paper, the Sun Times. You you uh, still do, only a dollar, by the way. You do a little piece. Uh, I think it's on Thursdays uh, or Fridays during the season where you uh, project the remaining games, the wins and losses for the Bears. So, like four games in, you'll still have game five, six, seven, L, L, W, L. Now, uh, you did it the other day, I believe, for next year. You gave uh, the dreaded uh, assignment of 16 selections. I think I saw you had, you got the Bears eight and eight. Uh, next year. If that's true, how the heck are they going to get there, Mark? Well, Murph, I, I am of the belief that the Bears would be a better team next year, even if they kept John Fox. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't think that they were, uh, I think there's a much different coaching change. I don't think they're, I, I believe that their arrow's pointing up as opposed to the previous two changes when, when the arrow was pointing down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, uh, so I think, you know, based on that, I think a, I think I think with a coaching change, with Trubisky taking that next step, I think the quarterback is everything. I think the Bears are going to be a better team. I, I don't see how I don't see gloom and doom for the Bears. Uh, I mean, no matter what they do with the quarterback situation, I mean with the coaching situation, because I think I think they're better. At, they're going to be better at enough positions where they're going to just win more games. And also, I think they're going to be better coached next year. I, I think one thing about John Fox was I think he was good with players and getting something out of getting a lot out of players but uh, you know he wasn't a great game coach and i think they have a chance now to get somebody who can actually win those close games that they lost last year so based on those those factors i think the bears will be better next year almost no matter what i know that's kind of a con, con, uh, almost a, 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 a thought that most bears fans do not uh, would not probably agree with or are used to thinking 
but I just think they're I just think they're gonna be better next year. So our active our active Twitter poll right now, if you felt like voting, Mark, uh history history will look back and say that Ryan Pace's best decision was A uh, drafting, uh, selecting a Trubisky, or B, the uh, head coach he selects in uh, 2018. Which will we look back years from now and say, "Boy, that was the key." I'll go with the, I'll go with the quarterback because I mm-hmm. think it's more about the quarterback than the coach in general. Uh, in, in the NFL, a lot you know, there's so many coaches who have you know who have only won with with one quarterback. You know, uh, all these great coaches, Mike McCarthy. Uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. I mean, they've only won their playoff games with one quarterback. And I think, to me, I know coaching is a big factor with the entire team, but I think more often than not in the NFL, I think it was a lesson this year, it's, uh, with, especially with the Packers, it's all about the quarterback. And I think they, I think they have a quarterback they can win with. Um, I think they have, I don't know if he'll be, you know, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, but I think he will be somebody who the Bears win because of. I think Trubisky, I think he has more than I thought he had when he was drafted. Let's put it that oh, way. Right. You know, Mark, I try not to bang my head up against the wall all that often. I try not to. Uh, but the, the, the coaching search has taken over such a huge thing over the last couple of days. And I was so happy to hear Brian Erlacher, who will or will not get to the Hall of Fame, say this. I get tired of all these coaches getting blamed for everything that goes wrong with these teams. It's not their fault. You know, the players have to make plays ultimately. You know, it's not, it doesn't come down to a coach making a call, this and that. It comes down to their players executing what the play is called and go out there and doing it and competing every Sunday. And it's not coaches can't make them do that every week. So I get tired of people blaming all these coaches when uh, when it's not their fault all the time. Yeah, I, I I get so tired of it because with the players that were out there, with the players that even John Fox had, there was only so many wins that this team was going to be able to get. And all of a sudden, John Fox is the worst guy that ever walked the face of the earth. Well, he was uh, he was uh, Freddie was the, he was the right guy at the time. It sure looked like it because at the time when the Bears hired him, they were uh, they were kind of uh, immersed in dysfunction and they needed somebody to get their feet on the ground. They had a veteran quarterback in place, right? And 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 it didn't work out because they were not only rebuilding but they were also tearing down. I mean, they took their best playmakers and traded them or let them go. Or whatever. So it was a, he was put in a much more difficult situation that even he wasn't able to get himself out of. And that's why I say, even if they had kept him, I think they'd be better. I don't think John Fox is a bad coach. It just turned out that he was, uh, he ended up being the right guy at the wrong time. Yeah. Now the dynamic has changed. You got your, uh, your quarterback of the future in place. Uh, and now you need to kind of make sure uh, you know make sure you maximize that position. And I think that's what this this change uh, is, will ultimately be all about. We don't have this today as a poll question, but which do you think is more important? Who they bring in as head coach or who Ryan Pace drafts in the upcoming draft? Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I would say I would say uh, the I would say the head coach. Um, um, because uh, even though like you know it's even though I think uh, the quarterback uh, kind of makes it happen, uh, I think this is a chance to kind of uh, fix a lot of things wrong with the Bears and kind of get just get them better on all sides of the ball. I think that's the key is getting somebody who can not only be an offensive coordinator but also get their special teams in order and keep their defense strong. So I think I think a head coach is, is uh, more important. Uh, at this stage, although um, no doubt about it, you ca- he cannot miss again 
uh, on this on a, on a on a top ten pick here. So that you know, that, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that that is that's more like one A, I guess, right. because you, you just can't you, you cannot miss on that. But if you miss on the coach, you're that that's a problem for like years. You can make up for a mm. missed draft pick with the next draft. I don't know how you fellas are going to uh, respond to this uh, point. Probably anti-Murph, which is fine, which is fine. Uh, I've never bought into the phrase for any sport in the draft when they go, best player available. <laughs> and I know I'm out of step, Charlie. That's fine. I'm, you know, probably one out of 99, one out of 100. But so the Bears are picking what, eight, whatever? Give, eight. Okay, yeah. thank you. So let's say the best player available is a quarterback. They're not going to take them. So I don't think we can, are you? I don't think you can carve in stone the best player available. That being said, I'm looking at the eighth pick. There are most of the mock drafts out there, and they're, they're just that, a mock draft. They mean nothing. They have four quarterbacks, most of them, fellas, going before the eighth pick, many of the mock drafts. And they have a running back going. Right. I don't think the Bears need a quarterback in the draft. I don't think the Bears need a running back. They're the, they are uh, de facto, therefore, really picking number four. If there's uh, four of the eight picks are already guys, or five, you don't want. Maybe you're picking third or fourth. But directly, uh, Fred, why don't you jump first, and then Mark. Uh, I'm looking at wide receiver and offensive line. Maybe you can make the argument for a corners or yada 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 but would you say and that's going to be our twitter poll in the next half hour between a wide receiver and an offensive lineman uh let's go first to, to fred and and then uh, uh well, mark if, if i only have between those two well, I'd no, go, you can have another one if you want i'd probably go defensive line another pass rush because right. they still don't have a guy we, we we're still waiting on leonard floyd you, you have Akeem hicks but he needs help eddie goldman is is a nice guy in the middle but you know what for two of the last three games of the season, he got a personal foul call in the first series uh, of play. Yes, I mean you got you know I don't know what what the heck's wrong with the guy, um, but he's got to get drilled into his head. So I'm I'm still saying a pass rusher. Uh, I am with Fred on, on this, Murph. Uh, hmm. I think their biggest need right now is an edge rusher, mainly because. Those guys, you just as you as you saw with a guy like Pernell McPhee, uh, those guys don't. You, you rarely can get them in like free agency. Uh, those are guys almost always that you have to draft. They're rare talents, and they make a huge difference on your entire defense and affect your and in affect your entire team. If they can get an edge rusher uh, that high, I think they can. The problem, and, and again, the problem with uh, with wide receiver is as you saw when they when they drafted Kevin White, they just missed by like three spots of getting Amari Cooper. Right. Uh, it, it, there's not a there, that's to me that's a real risky uh, pick to take a wide receiver that high. Uh, I mean, in the, at that spot, let's put it that way. Um, but but who knows? But anyway, I just think an edge rusher to answer right. your question is is is, by, is is the biggest need at that point and okay. at that stage. All right, then let me. Uh, can you give me a pencil with an eraser on it? I'm going to change <laughs> something here in the second round. Same question. So after uh, you guys have sold me on the edge, got to have the edge. Whether it's a three, four, four, three, you got to have someone able to come from the edge. So second round comes around. You took I know your where edge. I'm going here. Now do you look at the wide best wide receiver out there for you, or the best offensive lineman? I am a little surprised by you guys going defense because all I've heard for the last 
We need more offensive help, more offensive help for Trubisky. And I don't want the wideout. I want the O-lineman. I remember Bill Jouse, our old buddy years ago. And he was like, you got to build from the line. Well, you guys want the defensive side. Right. That's fine. I understand. So now it's round two. We'll, we'll uh, put Mark on the spot first and then Fred. Which way do you go on the second round? Uh, maybe you've got a third selection other than wide receiver or O-line, Mark. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely looking at a wide receiver in the second round. Um, Murph, uh, that's where you find that, you know, there's a, it's interesting when you look at second round uh, wide receivers, hmm. the ones that fail usually don't have a quarterback. The ones that succeed, like Alshon Jeffrey, usually have a quarterback and get in the ball. And I think the Bears have a quarterback who can get the, uh, a good receiver the ball, kind of like what the Rams did with Cooper Cup this year. They took him in the second round and had a, had a young quarterback who had, was no better than Trubisky was. Was you know in his rookie year, and and they and they and they uh, and they hit they struck gold there. I mean not struck gold, but they certainly made it was a hit. So I, I think uh, and not only based on that example, but it's just in general second round second round wide receivers. I think with a good quarterback, I think that's a you. I think you look at historically that's that's a good pick to make. I'm in lockstep with uh, Mark because get a receiver in the second round. There's a lot of receivers. Look, one of the top five receivers in the league is a. Uh, Drafted free agent Adam Thielen, so you can find receivers. You got to dig a little bit. You got to have scouts. You got to know know what the hell they're doing, and uh, you can find receivers almost anywhere. Tom Waddle, but and you also have to have an offensive system that gets receivers open, open yeah. which the Bears have a much better chance of doing this year than uh -huh. uh, next year than they did this year. Okay, so uh, offensive lineman on the third round pick, right? Please, maybe. Maybe. Where are you going to get off? Don't you need offensive linemen, fellas? You guys know the game better than I do. Don't you need an O line up? You can in always get of... one in free agency. Yeah. You got money. Okay. Find someone who's uh, who's a deals up or something. I don't know. Mark. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously that that's it's a, it's a need. All right. uh, we don't Kyle Long. Uh, I think I think. I'm, I'm actually more hoping, I guess, than assuming, but I think that now that he's had enough time to get all his surgeries, once he gets his surgeries out of the way and is back to where he was, I think where he was, I don't know if he'll be at a Pro Bowl level, but I think he'll be, you know, very good. I think the question mark is Josh Sitton. Um, he's been, you know, he was never injured with the Packers. He's been injured four or five times now with the Bears. He's still an effective player when he's healthy, but he's been breaking down. Uh, that's an issue. But I think overall, I think the Bears. I think I just don't think that the, the need is as acute. But uh, third round, there, you know, there's no doubt that that's a possibility to, right. to draft an offensive lineman. I just don't know if you need a plug and play guy uh, at this point in time. Okay. And plus, they've drafted some offensive linemen high and. Because offensive linemen are running different systems in college, sometimes it takes them a long time. Sometimes they can read into the wrong thing. I mean, you know, Gabe Karimi, what happened to him? I mean, he was... Hey, Fred, I'm sorry, Fred, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, no, it's okay. but uh, the big key with the Bears' offensive line is to get five guys healthy every game. Yeah. Because you saw it last year, the, the Falcons were the only team that had all five starters in the offensive line every game. They went to the Super Bowl. This year, the only team that had, that, had all five starters every game was the Rams. They've had a, they took a huge jump. The key is, I, I think, obviously you need talent. There's no doubt about it. But I think an even bigger key with an offensive line, it's a team within a team, is you need continuity. And the Bears just haven't had no. that. The last time they had it, they were eighth in the league in offense in, yep. in Trestman's first year. In fact, game 16 against the Vikings of the front five O-line, 
line. The only guy that was still there in his same spot from opening day was Leno at left tackle. Whitehair had moved over, and the other three were replaced. It was, you know, yeah, unbelievable. Massey was hurt. Long was hurt. Sitton was hurt. Yeah. yeah and and Whitehair was moved over out of his uh, starting uh, spot over to guard, I believe. Left guard at the uh, And I think that was the 10th. End- I think it was the 10th. Yeah, different offensive Probably. line setting. Yeah, yeah, for the year, and th- and that that leads to I think the 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 bigger. Maybe the biggest issue that probably is not going to get talked a lot, uh, uh, talked about enough uh, in the off season, and that's just their their injury situation in general. They keep they keep hamstringing themselves with injuries, uh, no pun intended there. But yeah. I mean that's just but 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 they but but they keep they keep putting themselves uh, in a in a bad shape because of injuries, and it's something that they've tried to fix and can't. And unlike uh, unlike a roster situation, you can't just throw money at it like in free agency, and you can't just draft a guy to be healthier. You've got to find a way to do that. And I think that's probably the biggest issue facing Ryan Pace because it's almost abstract. You can't figure out you know how to how to do it. Well, you know what? They talked to Josh McDaniels yesterday. Maybe they can go and talk to Alex Guerrero, and he can come and uh, help the Bears uh, try to stay healthy under the uh, TB12 uh, theory. That's one road I don't think they're going to want to go down or go near, Fred, but you, you never know. Well, spring Mark Potash on his busy day. We have about one minute left right here, Marcus. Uh, anything you want. A quick thought on the Bulls or the Blackhawks, the White Sox or the Cubs. Spray to all fields. You got four teams to pick from. What's on your mind today that you'd like to say? Well, I think it's time for the Blackhawks to come to the realization, especially with Corey Crawford out, that the championship window is just about closed. And they're going to have to do some things to um, to create a situation where their younger players are getting better faster than their older players are getting older, their core players. And unfortunately, that's not the case uh, right now. So with Corey Crawford being out, he was the one guy who gave him a chance to win in every game. And they don't. It looks like he's going to be out a while. This might be the year the Blackhawks do not make the playoffs. Yikes! All right, hey. and they're only in the they're only the last place team in their division. So, right. well, they're in a really good division, so that's part of the reason for I that. Know. Yeah, but but they are just they're not the team they were, and it's a very tough situation for a coach to come to a realization that these players that he's uh, so emotionally tied to are not the same players they were five years ago. Right. Hey, hey Mark, you're uh, among so many other things a, a hockey guy. So uh, before the game, I'm watching uh, NBC Sports Chicago or whatever. There you got it right. And uh, uh, our good buddy Eddie Olchek was trying to explain how an expansion team, who then knocks off the uh, Blackhawks five to four last night, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, how an expansion. T- when I was a kid, the expansion team they threw you bones, and you ended up uh, like the New York Mets when they won forty and lost one hundred and twenty. And he was mentioning that maybe the there's more favoritism. It's more favorable method now of selecting players in the whatever they call the lottery draft. How can the Vegas Knights be doing what they're doing? I believe, as Fred was saying, the Blackhawks at the bottom. The Knights, the most points in the Western Conference, I believe. How did that happen? Did the NHL sweeten up the ability for these new a new team to survive and thrive? Yes, they did, Murph, and I think there were more more good players available. I think they went about it the right way. There were more good players available. That's why they're better than they are. I think, frankly, though, that's bad for hockey, uh, in my opinion, because I think it's tough for the. How do you think these other these teams that have been spinning their wheels? You know, Carolina, Florida, 
the Avalanche, these teams have been spinning their wheels for years trying yeah. to get to the playoffs and establish themselves as, as contenders. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, their, their fans are thinking, hey, we should just blow this thing up and just become an expansion team. So I think it's bad. <laughs> right. I, think, I don't think it's good for a team to be able to be that good that early. They'll, their comeuppance will come in a couple of years when they get salary capped themselves, uh-huh. when all these players, you know, when they can't keep everybody. So this is a little bit of fool's gold, mm-hmm. uh, is, in, in my opinion. And I just don't think it's good for a, uh, an expansion team yeah. to be that good that soon because I think it's an affront to all the other teams that are kind of doing it in a more standard way and, and are finding it tougher now. They have another team they've got to, they've got to compete against that really didn't play under the same rules that yeah. they did. That's a great, great point. As always, hey, Mark, thanks for your personal time. Fans love hearing you on a Saturday morning. Uh, good job this year with the Bears, and maybe in a month or two we'll uh, try to bug you again for a couple of minutes. We always love hearing from you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, looking forward to it already, Mark. <laughs> you guys have a great day. Thanks, Mark. See you later, Mark Potash over at the Sun-Times. Uh, you can read all of his breakdown. Oh, yeah. I always have the paper on Friday uh, in the Sun-Times. They have the wild card preview that he puts together, I, and I always carry it with me. I think and, he uh, picked two favorites and two doggies. He picked the Chiefs a favorite, Falcons um because he puts, he puts the score down, which would indicate if he yeah. thinks they'll cover or not cover. He got, uh, yeah, he's got two and two. Yeah, he did. Yep. Exactly right. Chiefs, Falcons, Jaguars, and Panthers. Again, remember, he's betting against the spread. Murph and Fred till noon. And uh, Nick Friedel will break down that uh, crazy Bulls game last night. And uh, I guess Levine, uh, maybe uh, less than a week away from coming back. Does that mean that uh, Miritich is less than a week away from leaving? They're all gone. They're all going to be gone. gone. I I think uh, Nick has a short list of about four or five guys that uh, he says will be keepers uh, through next season. I don't think it was soon. I think he had five names. We'll talk to Nick Friedel in a little while. And uh, let's see, uh, EO11, what the fans had to say. EO11. Voting on our uh, uh, active uh, Twitter poll, which is uh, history will say that Ryan Pace's best decision was drafting Trubisky or selecting the head coach in 2018. I'm guessing we're near a teeter-totter 50-50 on this. Fred, what do you think we're going to have? I'm going to go 60-40, so it's close uh, that uh, they'll say Trubisky. All right, Eric? 31%. Say selecting the next head coach in 2018. Okay. So 69% believe that drafting Trubisky will be his best decision. Well, thank you. It had better, actually. It had better be his best decision. Well, see, Fred, everyone's listening to uh, you over the years. That uh, the, the players are more important than the coach. And uh, here, let's let's give a listen again. Uh, Brian Erlacher was on uh, Thursday. Yeah, with Waddle and Sylvie. 6.08 p.m. I get tired of all these coaches getting blamed for everything that goes wrong with these teams. It's not their fault. You know, the players have to make plays ultimately. You know, it's not, it doesn't come down to a coach making a call, this and that. It comes down to their players executing what the play is called and go out there and doing it and competing every Sunday. Uh, and it's not, coaches can't make them do that every week. So I get tired of people blaming all these coaches when, uh, when it's not their fault all the time. Not bad. He could not be more correct. Just Plus, like, he agrees with me. Just so. like Fred wrote it down uh-huh. for Brian Erlacher to uh, parrot. Because that was exactly what you've been saying for years, Fred. Hey, when we return, we got to get to some baseball between now and noon. Uh, the most surprising thing that happened this week in the world of sports. 
Let's see. We got and neither Darvish or Arietta signed. <laughs> Schedule alert is a, a segment we have to get to. All that and much, much more uh, back in a flash at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Halfway home on a busy Saturday, Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. So it's uh, 10.30, 10.30-ish. Yep, we're halfway done. Uh-huh. But we have more coming, and hopefully better than the last 90 minutes, which I thought was okay. So let's try to even uh, do better. We got Nick Friedel in about 30 minutes. If you're on the uh, phone lines, we'll get right to you, 332-3776. A quick look uh at the uh, weather, Fred. We can do a real quick look at the... four uh, degrees on Thursday. Yeah, we can do a really quick look at yes. the uh, baseball signings. There you go. The signings? Yeah. By yeah. the Chicago teams? Yeah, by anybody, yeah. really. This week, nothing. Sounds like my old thin book. Yeah. Thick books cost too much, so Murph opened thin books. Yeah, this week's thin book would be uh, all the, the <laughs> Chicago baseball signings. Now, the Sox did make a trade, which was nice to see. They, yeah. uh, you know, f- a three-team, five-player trade. Mm-hmm. Picked up a couple of relievers. They needed them. So this year, adding to the Cubs and the White Sox, there were a lot of battery mates. They had You had Wellington yeah. Castillo. The Cubs brought in four or five pitchers, and the White Sox bring in two new pitchers. The uh, Jake Arrieta uh, pursuit appears to have come back to life. Yeah, well, see, and I, I've been saying this the whole time, that if you could get a Jake Arrieta at, mm-hmm. at four years, and that was a report all week long. People said some people were saying four years, $100 million. Some said four years, $110 million. Now, some I thought that after um, Wade Davis got his three years at 52, that maybe people would pay six or seven years for Darvish or uh, Arietta. But maybe, you know, four years for 110 or, you know, the, the extra ten million wouldn't make any difference. They got the ice rink over there, at Wrigley Field. They can, you know, that's they can, free, isn't it? I, well, yeah, but they get. I'm sure there's concessions. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Maybe they got advertising uh, on the uh, boards, you know. They, and there's a re- there's probably a reason people made it for free. We'll pick boards. we'll pick up all that. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. One difference between Arietta and uh, Darvish, as far as roster and uh, money and draft picks. Arietta, a free agent, whoever signs him will lose a high draft pick, uh-huh. but not Darvish, because he was traded in season last okay. year, which for some weird reason, that puts the kibosh on the new signing team losing. So there's a little more value in that regard, but I don't think that would be a, a deal breaker. The uh, you, you got to keep an eye on the Long-term finances, of course, even though the Cubs are printing money, they all seem to, all the teams want to stay under this quote-unquote luxury tax. I actually just heard that Theo is, it's going to be Theo on the dollar bill pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. well, they're printing them over or there. Or the $100 bill, I'm not sure which they're debating. But all the owners, and there's no collusion uh, proven, and there may never be collusion uh, proven. I love, collu- I love collusion. <laughs> but, uh, see, the Cubs are cheap right now. The payroll, here's, here's what you got. You got guys right now, see... People think, fans think, Cub fans think, Cubs maybe even think, though they're pretty sharp, that uh, this window, this window to win uh, the, uh, you know, multiple championships is going to be open for a long, long time, this window. Uh-huh. Well, right now, you're getting these guys pretty darn cheap, all right? Bryant, 
they're all either six years control or less, which means they're not in the big money yet. Bryant Rizzo, your catcher, Baez, Schwarber, let me think here, Hendricks on the mound, Russell, Almora, Edwards, Strope, all these guys, uh, Wilson uh, Contreras behind the plate, these guys are all right now relatively cheap. Uh -huh. I'm using you know air quotes. Sure. So I don't know how much longer they think that this uh, this cheap payroll is going to be there. Raises come, raises come. Then these guys are free agents, and uh, this Harper thing. The more I think about Harper with the Cubs, I think that's starting. That that window might be closing. Because you see these teams like the Dodgers, a lot of these teams are not spending money this year. It's sort of technical, but they want to stay under this luxury tax, which takes away, which would you have a huge penalty cash-wise, uh -huh. and you start losing draft picks. Why the Players Union agreed to this, I'll never know. When this thing's up and they have to renegotiate, you can bet it. These players are going to be, they're going to strike. They'll be they'll be out strike. They're not going to sign this again. But I don't know how many years is still with this. You're you're right about the yeah. I mean, like Contreras, Schwarber, Baez, oh, yeah. Al Mora. Those guys are making next to nothing. Right. Uh, Hendricks at five million. I got here. Rizzo at seven point two. It's still Bryant peanuts. Nine. It's still peanuts compared to what some of the yeah compared to Hayward's twenty eight and Lester's twenty seven. How long did peanuts. well yeah well Hayward one of the biggest bonehead moves in the history of the Chicago Cubs. Bryant Rizzo, Baez, uh, Contreras, Schwarber, Hendricks, Russell. Elmora, Edwards, and Strope. You gotta, you gotta surround these guys. Uh, that's why I'm still thinking I'd be very in favor of a uh, Addison Russell for Machado package. Well, we're four years for one year. Okay, fine. Well, that's you what heard, you want to look at. Fine. You, you had heard. I mean, a lot of reports out in the papers this week that the uh, Padres were interested in Baez, mm -hmm. but the, apparently San Diego wasn't offering enough to move Javi. Yeah, you gotta. I'm not trading Javi unless they really pony something up. Yeah, you'd rather trade Russell oh, yeah. if you were to move somebody. Oh, Russell's had injuries, yeah. uh, he, other he's, problems. He's bulky, uh, off the field stuff that we don't know about. But let's go to a Jim in uh, Beecher, Illinois. Hello, Jim. Hey, happy Saturday to you guys. Good hey, talking with thank you. Thank you, What's buddy. Up, Jim. Uh, my uh, my subject this morning is like. Uh, to me, one of the most incredible potential stories for this summer that uh, we've ever seen in professional sports, uh, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. These guys are a first-year expansion team. Uh, first-year expansion teams, I don't care what sport it is, are supposed to suck. They're supposed to be patsies. And these guys are leading the Western Conference in points. Let's rephrase oh, one thing, Jim. Let's rephrase one thing when you said they are supposed to. In other words, you are saying correctly in the past, right? In the past. Right. Okay, go on, go on. Yeah, so uh, so for all the, you know, I don't care whether there's been expansion in baseball or, well, football for some, you know, some years ago or, uh, or basketball. Uh, I mean, first-year expansion teams, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm saying. And now this team is a very – it's a there's a darn good probability they could win the Stanley Cup, which would be uh, totally head-scratching, yeah. but yet totally incredible story. Well, hold now. that thought. Hold that thought, Jim. Stay here. Uh, you, you heard Mark Potash a little while ago, and he put a twist on it I hadn't even considered. He goes, it's not fair to the other teams in the NHL, uh, the Blackhawks, 
salary cap has cost them countless players and right. other teams. So there's now 31 teams in the NHL, again, counting the new Vegas uh, Golden Knights. But let me turn it around. Let's say you, Jim, in Beecher, you won that $500 million uh, lotto the other day, and you go to the NHL, and you go, you know what? I want to I buy a team, and I'm going to put it in Vegas. This was a year ago. You came up with the money, and you said, hey, I got the money. Uh, EO11, now see if you can pull up there while I'm talking with Fred and Jim how much the membership entry fee was for the owner to join the NHL in Vegas. And Jim, you got $500 million you're going to put down. You got other people, bankers, loaning you money, whatever you had to come up with. But then you say, uh, Mr. Uh, NHL uh, owners, one last thing. I'm not giving you this million, uh, this uh, hundred million dollars or whatever the, the thing was worth, the billion dollars, 500 million. I'm not giving you this money unless I get some relatively competitive players right out of the box. I don't want to be that guy like in 62 to New York Mets and all the other ones since then where I stink for five years, 10 years. Maybe if it were your money, Jim, would you look at it differently? No, uh, I I think I uh, I'm with you 100 percent on that. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the other 30 owners, they had to say, yeah, well, you know what? We'd love to be in Vegas. We're all going to make money in the long run. And this guy wants what? He wants better players in the uh, in the uh, the draft, as they call it, the dispersal dispersal draft. Right. I guess is what the they expansion call it. draft. The expansion draft. Well. They got, but they disperse players from other teams to whatever it's called. Yeah, it's always called. Where you select from the other teams. Jim, uh, good stuff, man. Thanks for getting us rolling. Stay warm in Beecher. Well, let me Thank ask you. Yeah, right, I, I don't know what the big, what was the difference? Did they have less guys to protect? Why is it that this team was able to go into other, go into the expansion draft and get better players? Well, EO1, Eddie Olchek, not EO11, yeah. Eric Ostrowski was uh, mentioning this uh, pregame. Last night on uh, NBC uh, Chicago Sports, and I, I don't know. We can look it up. I'm there had to, to be a way it, yeah. where it was more advantageous for a new team, unlike all the leagues in the past, where you got the uh, uh, the dregs. You know, you, you got the. Uh, well, just so you know, too, uh, there in one sport, an expansion team did win right here in Chicago. The Chicago Fire in '98 okay. won the MLS Cup and the U.S. Open Cup right. as an expansion franchise. Uh, with Major League Soccer. But, Murph, did, but the they owner? have that. One second. But, Fred, I believe they had, uh, they could get veteran players somehow. They had, they had those, uh, the they were able to buy veteran Carl players. Carl Heinz No, no, no. That's, that's the sting. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. That was the sting. The All Chicago right. Fire had was... a bunch of players that they brought in from, uh, from Poland. Okay. And they right. brought in, uh, Jorge Campos from Mexico. You meant to like say, that. Der Sting. Yeah. Of Lee Stern. What do you got there, Eo? The, uh, Vegas Knights owner Bill Foley paid a $500 million expansion fee. Okay. And that's divided up pretty much uh, by 30 uh, ways for the other 30 teams. And then the league probably gets a, a cut also. But I don't understand how that yeah. still made this team better. I don't know. There so had I'm to sitting be. there trying to read a story Mark here. Mark Potash said it was unfair, and EO won. Uh, Eddie Olchuk talked about it last night. Uh, let's go to uh, Luke. He's on the uh, tri-state tollway. You never hear that phrase anymore. They usually say on uh, 294. Hey, Luke. How's it going, guys? Hi, Hi Luke. All right, buddy, jump in. Go. <clears throat> um, I heard you guys talking about cup salaries and how um, they're pretty favorable for the team right now, but 
<clears throat> coming up here in a few years, these guys are going to be free agents and they're going to be demanding a lot of money like Chris Bryant. Like sure. I've heard a number tossed around like $40 million a year, $35 million a year. And I think that's ridiculous. You should never pay. I, I don't think, is there a hard cap in baseball? No, there's a soft cap called the luxury tax where they penalize you money and potential draft picks if for too many years in a row you exceed the uh, the cap. But no. Okay, so so essentially in baseball there is like a target amount that every team wants to stay under. And in, in baseball, I don't think you should be paying any one player such a large percentage of the cap, and that's because of the nature of the sport. Now, um, if if you compared that against like uh, basketball, I would give LeBron James or Stephen Curry ninety percent. Like, remove the maximum player contracts, which is like a stupid thing. I would give them if the if the uh, salary cap was like one hundred twenty million, I would give LeBron James a hundred million a year because of how can he can affect the game. Every play. All right, Luke. So if you look at, I hold on, buddy. To- I, I like your yeah. angle, but here's here's the other side of your of your angle, is that uh, right now Bryant would simply go to another team, and there are no hard caps, and the players' union would fight a hard cap. Heavens knows they uh, to their side they made a mistake by allowing this uh, luxury soft tax. So what you say, a lot of fans, maybe more than half, would agree with you, Luke. But Bryant would be bye bye. Thanks. Hey, we're up against the clock. Stay warm. Yeah, go ahead, quick. That's like that's fine because take um, uh, take Mike Trout for example. He's a forty million dollar year guy. What have the Angels done with him when he's been earning like his money doesn't really. Um, yeah, but even even well when he was uh, low, low, thank you. Even when he was low priced in his early years, uh, they weren't able to augment him uh, with big victories. Fred, it gets confusing with yeah, the money I, talk. You know, I know. I got involved in sports things. I got about stuff on the field and on the <laughs> ice and on the courts, not not the dollar things. Otherwise, I would have stayed in school. Everyone on hold, we'll get right back to you. Bulls talk, top of the hour. Nick Friedel, it's Murph, it's Fred, it's ESPN One Thousand. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Sun's bursting out downtown. Murph and Fred, uh, about 10 minutes away from Nick Friedel, our Bulls guy. And uh, we'll put a a bow on the expansion uh, methods uh, for the NHL. The Vegas Golden Knights beat the Hawks last night. They got uh, the best uh, point total in the Western Conference. What'd you dig up there, Fred? Just the, I was trying to figure out why they were better. It says here on the protected list, clubs that were in the league had two options. They could protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goaltender or eight skaters, a combination of forwards and defensemen, and one goaltender. And all players currently effective, uh, let's see, no, all first and second year professionals mm-hmm. as well will be exempt from the selection. will not be counted towards their the protected list. So I don't understand, you know, you're able, on a Blackhawk team, when you have 18 guys, you're able to protect, you know, nine, eight skaters, 
a goaltender and any first or second year guys. So well, I guess we have to simply find out how this compares with previous expansion teams to the NHL. Uh, did the existing teams get to protect a lot more players? Yeah. Therefore, there was just dribs and drabs of working down to the expansion team. And maybe there were fewer you could, you know, maybe before you could freeze 20. Yeah. And now it's, uh, you know, in the low teens or whatever. Oh, uh, so the, the most surprising thing this week to me in the world of sports, the most surprising thing to me this week was that people were surprised that Ted Phillips would be up on the podium at the press conference. Ted Phillips is still on a bear's page. Oh, I heard people, fans calling everybody going, oh man, I couldn't believe Phillips was up there. That to me was the most surprising thing that well, you would react well, I, that way. I just didn't want to see him, see him up there. Once I realized that they were announcing the extension for Ryan Pace, I said, that's fine. Announce that and get off and sit down. I don't want to hear any more. But he kept going. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I said, I, why is he talking? Mm-hmm. And then poor Ryan Pace got up there, poor meaning. He didn't know what to say uh, when they started peppering him. Uh, right, I just want to be clear here. Is the final decision um, on, on a head coach yours? Yes, the fine. So in, it's a collaborative effort. Uh, 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 Jack next in Farmington, Illinois. Hello, Jackson. Hey, what's up? You're up. Hey, uh, <laughs> thank you. You're so, welcome. Huge Bulls, huge Bulls fan here. Yeah. I was just curious. Uh, so right now, the Bulls, what they should do is they should trade Marriott, right? Wait, wait, wait. Right say now, that, trade say who? That, trade who? Say it again slower. Go ahead. Uh, Marriott. Marriott. Okay, Marriott. Right, yeah. right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry about this. That's, That's okay. So right now, he's having record. He's having, well, a phenomenal time right now, which is way back. They need to strike all the steals hot. They need to trade him. And let some other people like Lowry get some more playing time if he wants to and develop. Well, that's the plan. So right now, though. Yep. Yeah. So, so right now, my I guess my question to you is, if they were to trade him, what would you say the worst scenario would be and the best scenario would be? Gotcha. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Phone it again. It doesn't uh, matter. There was a. They just need to trade him for to move him so that they can continue to be bad. We'll have Nick Friedel join us in uh, just about uh, five minutes. There was a uh, list here. This might have been. This was the uh, Sun Times a couple of days ago. Sorry, I don't know which writer uh, did this. Playoff uh, hopeful teams that might be interested in Nico uh, include. Uh, Playoff hopeful teams. That's an interesting phrase. Playoff hopeful teams. And he lists the Raptors, the Sixers, 76ers, the Knicks, Thunder, the Bucks, the Spurs. Could all use outside shooting help. Miritich is taking uh, is uh, 46% from the three-point land. And he is uh, taking six and a half three-point shots per game. How about last night? The Bulls from uh, behind the arc, Fred. Did you notice this? 14 of 28 for a 500 50% shooting from behind the arc last night. It was unbelievable. Yeah, they've been very good in the games they've won. And by the way, the 98 expansion, which uh, was for the Nashville Predators, uh, teams protected a goalie, five defensemen, and nine forwards. So that's 15 players Mm -hmm. as opposed to, what did I say, 10 nowadays. But still, you can only lose one player. 
So, I mean, I don't know if that made such a big difference. Well, wouldn't there be a huge difference between the 10th best guy on a team and the 15th best guy on a team? You could select the 11th instead of the 16th. Yeah, in most hockey in most hockey teams, after you get past the first seven, <laughs> well, there is not many more, you know. Uh-huh. You're going to protect, what, an extra fourth liner or third liner? So, hey, uh, whatever. David and Elgin are up against the clock. We got Nick Friedel Bulls next. But, David, I see your topic. Give me a quickie. Go. Yeah, uh, uh, it's amazing how good the coach is because, you know, I know they're tempting. They're trying to lose. And how he put Spencer and Dundell Valentine in the game at crucial time, and they they should be in the G League. I go to G League game, and they're not even good G League players. I, you know, Spencer was good two years ago, but now he can't, he can't defend nobody. He can't score. Uh, uh, Dundell Valentine can't hold nobody that goes at them. And, you know, he's he doing it smart, putting them in, because it's better players that he could put in and, and why I play them, too. Monday. What you got to say about uh, that? Okay, David. Good call. Listen uh, for... Uh Nick, coming up in, in, in a moment, please. Yeah, a lot of people think that they uh, they sat Miritich on the bench way too long. Well, the Monday night game. Yeah. And, uh, and Nick was uh, on with uh, Jay Hood. We'll cover that when Nick returns. Miritich did not play the last 12 and a half minutes, counting to five minutes of, of overtime. They took him out with seven and a half minutes remaining. And uh, I guess a lot of press row speculation. Didn't get a lot of coverage this week because the Bears uh, had so much happening. Got lost in the shuffle. You know, I don't mind building a team to tank. Yeah. But to actually start sitting down your guys right. when you have a chance to win, that's a whole nother step, in my opinion, uh-huh. of uh, of tanking. Well, on that, when we return, up against the clock, Nick Friedel next. One more hour remaining of Murph and Fred. Glad you're with us. Stick around. It's ESPN 1000. courtesy NBC Chicago Sports Chicago. Somewhere in there I got it right. Welcome back everybody. Murph and Fred hour number three on a three hour sports uh, talk show every Saturday nine till noon. One minute away from Nick Friedel. Uh, Let's take a look at our Twitter poll for this half hour. EO11 why don't you read it to us. What do we have at 11 o'clock there? Something uh, Bulls oriented I have a feeling. Where would you rank Fred Hoiberg as a coach? Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Where would you rank Fred Hoiberg as a coach? NBA coach, 1st through 7th, 8th through 15th, 16th through 22nd, or 23rd through 30th. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Beautiful day. Hope you're having a nice time. Let's talk a little Bulls basketball. Let's bring in the ESPN 1000 NBA expert, Bulls guys, Nick Friedel. Now on with Murph and Fred. Good morning, Nick. How about how about Nick's introduction there, EO11? A little trick with Nick. Yeah. Nick, 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 Nick,
you go. It doesn't even stay, say anything about steak and shake in there for you, Nick. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> good morning, guys. I'm good. How we doing? What's up, Nick? We're doing fine. Hey, Nick, uh, speaking of steak and shake, before we go and get that big hamburger and take the top of the bun off and look and see what's inside the bowls, a little sidebar here. Uh, I was rooting around and uh, dug this up. Fred's got a copy also. There's a ESPN uh, staff writer is his title. Uh, I don't know where he's based, but uh, Baxter is his first name. Holmes is his last name, Baxter Holmes. And uh, he has been running this year with something that uh, he calls the schedule alert. I don't know. Is this anything that you've uh, bumped into yet? We've got his uh, latest forecast here. Is this foreign to you? Have you heard of Baxter Holmes and his schedule alert, Nick? No, I've heard of it. Uh, Baxter is based in L.A. All right. Uh, and in the, he puts out reminders on a, <laughs> on a regular basis as to which teams are, are in deep trouble as far as back-to-backs and three- and four-night stretches and stuff like that. That's him. That's him. In fact, uh, this was just the other day, and he's talking about the Bulls game tonight. He has evidently a formula, Fred, where he has gone back, he claims, 10 years through the computers, and he finds out when teams have, and now I'm sort of paraphrasing, back-to-backs, uh, three little games. Or, yeah, little or no rest, move through time zones, things like that. Four games and six nights and uh-huh. things like that. And then, as Nick said, he puts out alerts. And, uh, you know, gamblers are welcome to partake if they so desire. Otherwise, it's just good, clean fun. Here's what he says, fellas. So far this year, uh, our results are 19 of 22. Not bad. Correct predictions in which one team faced a distinct competitive disadvantage because of the schedule. That means we're 86.4% right this year we base our results on games with little or no rest travel time zones etc not based on the level of competitive balance between the two teams and uh this year uh he says well we went back 10 years that's how we did this with the schedule and alert and we have a factor of uh, one through ten eight out of ten uh, the highest uh, so here, January's now he printed this a, a week ago on January 1st, fellas. He says January 6th. Red alert. Bulls at Indiana. That'd be tonight. Yep. A 9.5 score out of the possible highest 10. Red alert. Fred, want to continue? Yeah, this game actually triggered our third highest score of the entire NBA schedule. The uh, Bulls will have a steep fatigue mountain to climb. This will be mark the uh, Bulls' fifth game in seven days. It will mark their third in four days. We'll mark the second of a back-to-back set with both games being on the road. Plus, yeah. they'll be crossing a time zone. Not good. So, what we have, fellas, is the third highest projection of his entire season of a team that's in deep trouble based on all the parameters. Uh, I'm not suggesting that this is when you, you know, uh, it's not point spreads, just flat out, you know, win or lose, but uh, that means the Bulls have a uh, a battle. real burden tonight, at least according to past history in the NBA, Nick. And you know what I say, Murph? I say, okay, because uh, if they lose, then they get another ping-pong ball <laughs> into uh, the possibility. So, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> for, for any regular season yeah. where <laughs> wins and losses are, are all that really matters, yeah, I'd be worried if I were a Bulls fan because 
we're in this wacky season, though, hmm. of, well, <laughs> it may not be the worst thing in the world for them to rack up more losses. Uh, I think no matter what happens tonight, uh, everything will be okay. And if they do find a way to lose, uh, that's not the worst thing in the world moving forward. Three three two three seven seven six. if you want to quick jump in as a Bulls fan. Otherwise, you're welcome to uh, eavesdrop. Uh, Levine is due back... Well, I don't want to say any day now, but any game now. Uh, and when he returns, or it doesn't really return, when he begins, where, what's the, uh, what's going to happen to the starting uh, lineup, uh, the bench, uh, Nico and the trade rumors? But more than that, have you had a chance this year to see uh, Levine in action or highlights or any uh, tape from, uh, from the G League or anything? Uh, they say he's ready to roll. Nick yeah, Murph, I, I think he can come back right right now uh, and play very well. I mean, uh, practices, are, of course, aren't open to uh, to the media, but when sure. you talk to full staff members who have watched him now the last couple months, they say that he is just dominating. He is out there, and he's doing everything he ever did uh, before in, in Minnesota when he was healthy. So uh, I would expect at some point here this week probably – that Levine will be back on the floor for the Bulls, but to the point about what what's he going to do when he gets out there, they're going to be extremely cautious. On top of the fact that he's coming back off an ACL injury, uh, this goes back to the question about tonight's game. I mean, it behooves the Bulls, frankly, uh, to, to rack up a bunch of losses and to make sure that they have the best chance to, lay, to land one of those top uh, four or five picks uh, in the in the draft uh, in the summer. So uh, I don't think Levine's going to be on any kind of uh, uh, minutes play where he's going 30 or 35 minutes a night. I bet he'll play in a few uh, stretches, and I would guess somewhere between 20 to 25 to start here as he finds his way back into uh, a rhythm after being out for so long. Wasn't there a, a time where most of the guys were playing 24, 25, 26 minutes and uh, they, uh, Fred didn't have anybody out there for like 30, 33, 34? He was splitting it up pretty evenly. Absolutely, Fred. And, and when you have a young team, uh, and, and Murph, this goes back to what you were saying, uh, I expect Nico Miritich to be traded here in the next few weeks. It wouldn't surprise me if Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday. Uh, are dealt as well. Not but, Justin Holiday. Yeah, right. He can make exactly. shots. He's been on fire, Nick. <laughs> that's why Nick wants to move him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why you move him right now. I mean, if he if he's rolling, get get him out. Uh, you know, make sure uh, that your young players are developing, but also make sure that you you just don't give yourselves the best chance to win in these last couple months here. Uh, so yeah, Freddie. I mean, if Fred had his wish, Fred Hoiberg. He would he would have balance between that starting unit and the second unit, and there are so many young guys now on this team who are who are doing better. The guys like Dunn and Markinen, uh, who are, have shown more promise. Uh, why not give guys off the bench uh, a little more run and see what they can do, uh, and have that balance between your first and second units. Nick, we had a caller earlier who said, if if you trade these guys, what do you trade them for? The Bulls don't, re- I mean, if they're trying to tank, they don't care, do they? They just want exactly. to move them. They're about draft picks only. Exactly. Well, and you only have two and, rounds of the draft. I mean, you know, really, and, and plus, if they haven't scouted anything, they'll get rid of the second round pick. Right, well, I mean, and, and Freddie, this goes back to what uh, Garm Pack's, uh, that their, uh, their feeling has been for years at this point. I mean, they've said 
you're not just dumping anybody to dump them. I mean, they're going to wait and see what the best offer is. But I'd also argue to any fan at this point that uh, both those guys understand that the long play here uh, is to make yourselves intentionally worse in the short term. So they're not just going to give Robin Lopez or Nico away for you know nothing. But we're, we're talking about uh, draft picks. An expiring mm. contract. Yep. And if, if you were ranking which player was going to go first, I would say that it's got to be Nico. on top of the fact that you're, you're just not sure if he can maintain the way he's been playing so far this season. Uh, I mean, you keep Nico with his offensive firepower that he has shown, and you are giving yourselves a much better chance to win mm. night after night right now. Conversely, frankly, I don't think that's me. what they want. Nick, conversely... Maybe he's going to get even better. You say, we don't know if he can maintain this, which is true. You know, he's got a hair up his hiney. He might just keep getting better. Visiting with Nick Friedel. Nick, I'm going to give you an opportunity for a minute here to be the producer. EO11, don't get up. Don't worry, it's one minute. Nick can do it. He might actually take my job. He'll probably be better than me at it. Now, Nick, we're going to give you a chance to be the producer of this show right now. Ideas, uh, directions, uh, what what to do. And uh, by the way, there is no uh, extra pay for your segment today because I'm also we're also making that, you. That no. doesn't surprise him. No, you're working yeah, for the yeah. same fee right now. <laughs> hey, Murph, cheap is okay, but free, free is crazy. No, no. Now, we have two callers on the board, okay, Nick? And it's up to you if we should take the callers or not. I'm going to tell you what the topic is, and then that's where you're the producer if we go to the phones, all right? We, okay. have, we have Leon from South Elgin and Mike from Lindenhurst, all right? Leon's topic, according to EO11, typed in on the board here, why would they trade Meritich, who is playing so well? Here's Mike from Lindenhurst on line two. His question is, tanking is ethically wrong. Keep Meritich. Now, you're the producer of the Murph and Fred show. <laughs> Murph, if it, were, if it were me, I wouldn't take either of the calls unless everybody wanted a laugh. <laughs> because oh no, no, don't, don't hold on, don't demean the callers. Now we love our callers. I, I mean, they might like, be the only two we'll get this hour. Uh, no, all right, I, uh, I would no. take I would take Leon then. I, I'd actually be curious to. Uh, to to hear the rationale behind uh, what he has to say. All right, well, let me ask Leon. Hey, Leon, uh, Murph here, you're off the air. Uh, not really. Uh, do you want to go on the air now with Nick after hearing that he laughed at you, Leon? Y- yes, I do. Okay, go ahead, buddy. Yes, you're on the air now with Nick Friedel. Leon from South Elgin. What's go. up, Leon? <laughs> hey, what's up, man? Uh, this, is my, this is the reason. Meritage is playing good right now. Uh, if we keep taking and losing, and say we get the ball at the eight pick, if the eight pick better than Maritech, why are we losing? This, if we don't get a guy, and we don't get a center uh, from uh, Arizona, then I think the, everything else is messed up. And we got players just as good as any of the other, uh, uh, the guy from Duke, the guy from, you know, they, they ain't superstar. They ain't going to put us to a, a, a degree. Wait, wait, Leon, we, who's as good playoff. right now on this Bulls roster as Marvin Bagley is? Well, let me just tell you this. Say we pick the ball fall to eight. Marvin Bagley gone. The center from Arizona gone. Uh, everybody gone. Now we got the eight pick. Now, is the eight pick better than Magic? And now we've been trying to lose games. 
and we lost Meritech, and now we, get, we, we go back to doing it again next year. Okay, but I'd, I'd flip the argument for you. And, and absolutely, with the way they've been playing, the eighth pick is <laughs> a possibility. So I understand what you're saying. But if you don't make a move and you keep Nico and Zach Levine comes back and you, you don't make any move, I'd argue that you're falling a little deeper than the eighth pick. I think this team is right below the playoff line. So at that point, then you're in like the 12th or 13th pick potentially uh, if all these guys are doing uh, as well as they've done so far. So if you trade, but wait a minute now, if you trade Miritich, you get a late first-round pick or maybe a couple second-round picks. We'll see what happens. But if you trade him and you, you become the eighth pick, which is possible because Dunn and Markkinen are playing better and these guys are gaining confidence. What I would then say is your odds are still better of climbing up into the top four or five because you call all those teams in the top four or five and you say, we'll give you the eighth pick and we'll give you something else. And my, my, my guess is right now, for as great as Dunn is playing, if the Bulls have their heart set on a point guard, Maybe Dunn becomes that guy, that extra chip to get you back up in the top four or five. Final and word goes to Leon. Case if you're the 12th or 13th pick. Final word goes to Leon. Leon, final word, go. Yeah. Okay, look, I'm saying that if they play good and they make the playoff and pick that, then trade Maritake and we're going to move up and get who you want. Why trade them now and try to lose? Because the future is, is, is based on, I don't want to lose more than what we got right now. We ain't got that much. Thanks. Leon, phone again. Love your, love your angle, okay, buddy? Okay. All right. Thanks well, a lot. And, and, and Nick, actually, what he was saying at the end is true. Because if, if they win enough and they're stuck in the middle, they'll be stuck in the middle again next year with the same guys. Right, which is which is exactly why, yeah. Freddie, you you trade everybody right and now, right? There'll everybody be, there'll not be no named, progress, right? Exactly, yeah. everybody not named Dunn, Markin, and Levine, and <laughs> and I like Nawaba a lot, but you know he's not going to make or break uh, any kind of deal. So uh, you keep those three guys or four guys, and then you go from there. But uh, the point of of keeping Nico and, and bringing Levine back. Uh, the the we could go back and forth all day, but then the the, the reality is like what is what, what what does it benefit the Bulls to finish tenth in the East or ninth in the East just out of the playoffs? Uh, you know, I, I just I don't see uh, the benefits of of doing that when you know you've already done that the last couple seasons and it's gotten you nowhere. I mean, the goal for the front office this year, guys, and this is where I think fans kind of they either don't want to believe it or because of the recent winning streak, they don't think it's still there, but it's still there. The goal was to be really, really bad, jump up to the top of the lottery, and hope that you land one of those picks as guys like Dunn and Markkinen continue to develop and show more promise. And well, so far, they're still on that track to do so, assuming they move a couple more pieces. Well, I know that uh, Fred Hoiberg uh, listening, and he's thinking... Uh, Clown to the left of me, Joker to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with when you. Nick. No, no, no. Stuck yeah, you don't want to be no, there, no, not Freddy. Nick and Fred. No, he's singing about Gar and Pex. Okay. Clown to the left of me, Joker to the right. Here I am, stuck in. Oh, no singing's in my contract. I forgot. Um, Mike and Lyndon Hurst, uh, I know you're listening. You're on hold. We won't punch you up. 
Tanking is unethical. We agree. I mean, I agree. That's been my 10-year mantra. Point is, until the NBA, MLB, NFL, until these leagues change the parameters of the draft, how they orchestrate it, then tanking will always be there as a uh, strategic move. Uh, one last caller. for Oh, Nick, before we go back to the phones, you wrote after Thursday's loss... Uh, Toronto, uh, you wrote, uh, Freddie Hoiberg says, uh, Chris Dunn will bounce back versus Dallas on Friday night. Well, he bounced back big time. What we have here, 32 points, nine assists, nine assists. And after the game, uh, Fred Hoiberg says, I gave Chris Dunn, we had a big sit-down before the game. I told him I'm giving him more responsibility uh, not to always look over my shoulder for me, you know, Fred Hoiberg, to call the plays. We're going to let you start doing some of this on your own. I don't know about the correlation. I don't know if Thursday night when uh, you reported what he said that uh, uh, Dunn will bounce back. But 